Walker here with Leverage Your Time, Balance Your Life, and my wonderful daughter, Wendy, who just has a new book out that we want to talk about just a little bit, Wendy, just briefly, <laughs> before we get to our marvelous guest. Okay. Well, I'm Wendy. I'm Dad's co-host, John Walker's co-host. Wendy Whitest. I do have a new journal, a guided journal come, that's for sale on Amazon right now called your Rhythm of Rest and Reflection, a guided journal for personal retreat days. And that's all I'll say about that. Okay, because well, that's, that's not no, what we got, we're doing today. We got a great guest here. We don't want to take too much time. That's congratulations Thank on you. that book. Now we've got the life coach guru around <laughs> the country. I won't say around the world, around the country. In the universe, the At best the universe, life coach yeah. in the universe. <laughs> right. And uh, she's going to talk about life coaching and the difference between being a life coach and a psychiatrist. Now, psychiatrist prescribes medicines, makes diagnosis of pathology. And Nancy, what do you do? Well, I'm Nancy Beard, and I am a certified life coach. And what does that mean, certified? Well, that means that I went to a school and I took tests to get certified. Actually, to be a life coach, I think all you have to do is hang a shingle out and say you're a life coach. Um, and some people probably do that. But you, you're um, certified. I am certified from the Life Coach School out of Texas. Okay. And um, so what do life coaches do? They coach people on how to be their best self, how to live their best self, and how to achieve their goals for today and in the future. Um, one way to describe life coaching is we don't do a lot of looking in the rearview mirror we um, look out the windshield. We go forward. Ah, that's so, a great description. Um, that's, that's, just, a great description. that's a way. Um, probably yeah. if you want to look out the rearview mirror, if you need things that you want to talk about or clean up from childhood or from previous relationships, probably um, a clinical therapist mm -hmm. or a, possibly a psychiatrist. Well, I'll try be, to clean things up. Would, would, be a better, uh, <laughs> would be a better match for you. But a life Vicky coach... Vicki would disagree with my housekeeping, but I try to clean those things <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, so a life coach pretty much deals with where are you today and what can I help you with to achieve that, to become your best self. So I kind of specialize on helping people find their passion, their purpose, their calling, and their joy. I think that's kind of the root of, of your whole being. And um, that's what I love to do. Well, Nancy, do you deal with personality conflicts too? People that might have difficulty getting along with people at work, or would that be more of a psychologist? No, absolutely. That's a lot of it. I deal with a lot of women in the workforce, and so certainly we deal with that type of thing. Um, but a lot of it is... It's often your thought about the person, or often you're telling your story about how someone feels about you when you really don't know. You're just, you're taking some clues from their body language or some things they say, and you're writing a story, a narrative that often is not true. Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of dig into what is fact and what is fiction and, and go from there. You want so to tell the Stephen, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. I just wondered, do you have a... I imagine with life coaching, there's so many areas of life. Do you have a specialty that you like to work with a certain demographic or a certain type of person? I, I typically work with women pretty much 
40 and above. Okay. Um, and I do only work with women. And men ask me all the time, why don't you work with men? Well, to be truthful, I haven't really had that many men that seem serious about wanting mm-hmm. life coaching. Um, but I just think I understand women. And yes. I particularly understand women um, in the workforce. I understand women in the nonprofit sector. And I understand women who feel called uh, to do work in the nonprofit sector, and then they get there, and there's a lot of disappointment. Mm. It's not kind of the big dream where they were going to go make a difference in the world. So I help them find ways to go make a difference in the world. Oh, that's good. And people could misperceive things, like Stephen Covey wrote in his book about he saw two rambunctious kids on the subway, And he said, why doesn't this man control these kids? He's a terrible parent, only to find out later that the man had just lost his life. His wife. The wife. Mm -hmm. You know, I was going to go through this, Wendy, (laughs) and I was going to go through this and not make any mistakes. I was purposely going to go through this and enunciate every word precisely like you do, Wendy. No. And I I was going to not have any and us. So I've already blown it. Well, that means you're human, and we love humans. Now, John, can can I do a little coaching and tell you that we learn and grow by our mistakes? Well, yeah, but you don't go... Well, I make plenty of mistakes, so that's good. I'm going to be pretty good for this podcasting pretty soon. What I was saying is... You don't ever know what a person's position might be. Mm-hmm. A True. person might be frowning, but they're frowning about something else. The sensitive individual who sees that would say, they're frowning about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. And yeah. so, Nancy, you would correct that. Absolutely. Typically, the stories we tell ourselves are not true. And um, we go from past history or we go from past hurts, and we just make up stories. So... Probably the greatest thing I learned through life coaching is how to very quickly say, is it fact and is is it true? Mm-hmm. And then we go from there. And I do it in my personal life, too, because I used to be the one that judged everything. And when you stop yourself and say, I have no proof that mm-hmm. that's true, so let me dig in a little bit differently, mm-hmm. or let me just go ahead and change my thought about it. It's sort of the what, why, where, when, like... Where did you hear this? Mm-hmm. Who told you that? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Compared to what? That sort of thing that you're talking yeah. about. Like, who, who told you that? You know, they yeah. say, my nose is too big. Who told you that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that sort of thing you do, right? Sure. I, I use a model where I start with what is the circumstance? And then I look at what is your thought about that? And then what is the feeling? Mm-hmm. What are your actions? And then what is the result? So with that, sometimes you have a negative thought that if you shift it just slightly, your result is going to be a positive result, which is what you wanted. So we have to learn how can we take baby steps to get to a new thought. So it's the ABCD of living. A is the activating event. B is the belief about the event. C is the consequence of the belief. And D is the doing about the feeling, about the belief. You got it. 
Hey, I'm yeah. Can I be a I life think, coach? I think you're good. You might need to just go right in. But I noticed book. I stuttered a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to say A, B, C, D. I stuttered a little bit on this. So I need to get somebody to coach me on learning how to speak better. I, on think, the podcast. I think you do a great job. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we don't want to have any pauses in here. Wendy, do you I, have anything? Yes, I, oh, I always have questions. Yeah. So if somebody is coming to you for the first time, what do you, how do you start? What is your first session like? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to start always it by what do you want to achieve? And um, oftentimes, people don't know. They just know that they're not feeling great. They know that life is not working quite like they wanted. So we need to dig in a little bit. So we, I might start with their work life. You know, how is that going? Um, I'll go to their relationships, their children, their things like that. I will take just about five minutes to go back to childhood, and that is certainly not a life coaching thing, but I think it's always important to go back and just get a little bit of a feel for who did the person want to be when they were a young child, mm -hmm. like five right. or six, right. because often we were redirected by our parents, by society, by our teachers you to know become what? somebody we didn't really want to be. You know what, Nancy, when I was three years old, I wanted to be a podcaster, and there weren't <laughs> even podcasts then. You were I was so futuristic. I mean, who knows? What would you say to me? Well, say I, you're, you'd say, you're psychotic. That's what you'd say. I'd say you were a visionary leader. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah. The, well, I remember, uh, did you look in the, listen to Brad's podcast? You probably did. I did. did. Oh, no, it I did. It was good. It great. Really good. But you remember he talked about the why. Mm -hmm. He said... You have to begin with the why, mm -hmm. and that's what you're trying to get at with life coaching. Why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. Or why are you feeling the way you, or why don't you not want to know? And is it why? fulfilling? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We, we are used to, if somebody asks you a question, we're very used to taking the lazy way, which is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So That's with true. life coaching, we stop. If there's one I don't know, it's like, but what if you did know? Well, I can understand. And ask that three or four different ways because typically we do know, but we need somebody to give us a safe space where we can say what it is that's in there. So it may take us a while to get to it, but it's in there. Mm -hmm. So the belief is that we do have the answers within us. We just need maybe a guide to help pull those out. Yeah, and they need somebody they can trust. You're very trustworthy, easy to talk to, uh, and easy to kind of come to solutions. So it would be easy to come to you because you're relaxed, uh, you're confident, you know how to open up doors without making the person feel embarrassed. So that to me, that's what a good life coach is. But somebody might come, Nancy, I mean, this happens a lot. I'm feeling miserable, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to that? Well, I think we would stop with what does miserable mean to you? Okay. So what does that mean? What does it look like? Often, once you go a couple layers into that, you'll find that that was a strong word that didn't have that much meaning to them. But they used it, and it's like, okay, let's take the power out of that word. If they, maybe they really are feeling miserable. And if they are really miserable, then possibly I would refer them to a clinical therapist. 
And so a lot of people go to a therapist and a life coach at the same time. Mm. Oh, okay. They do, because we work on different things. Yeah. And um, for some people, that's very comfortable. For others, they go to a licensed therapist, and then they come to a life coach. Mm -hmm. So um, it can work either way. Right. But if there really is misery there, and that is, again, it's a very strong word, I would be on high alert that this client might not be for me. But once I figure out what their meaning of misery is, misery could be, my husband yelled at me today, and I'm miserable. Well, you know, that's really, that's just overusing the word. So we have to get to what's the definition first. So if we talk about something that uh, may be common in life coaching, such as, I've been in this job for 10 years, I don't feel like I'm serving any purpose, I feel stuck, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what I want to do. So I coach on that one a lot. So tell me what you would, Mm -hmm. what questions would you ask to get them to kind of explore that? I have coached a lot of women on this this topic. So we typically go to what is it about the job that they love and what is it about the job that they don't love? And so then we, we pull all those pieces apart to find out, is it really the job or is it some thoughts about the job? Is it one person in the workplace that's making it miserable? Um, has the job changed? So first we look at how can we make that work? And then just for fun, we go to if you didn't have to get a paycheck, what would you do? Right. So then, you know, you might get someone who says, I mean, if you asked me that question, I'd say, I always wanted to be a nanny. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be a nanny for a family that travels internationally. Well, do you really want to be a nanny or does that just sound good? Um, But typically I'll make a list then of three or four different things. And then we'll drill down on what does it take? What are the skills for this? Um, What are your strengths and weaknesses? And then we, most of the time they go back to, they want the job they have. They want it to be a little different. Mm-hmm. So interesting. A, yeah. a big thing that that happens then is we coach on confidence. So often someone is not standing up for themselves, or they're not standing up for their opinions, or maybe there's someone in their peer group who has a louder voice and uses it often. Mm-hmm. So they feel inferior to use the, their voice, or they feel as if their opinion isn't as good as the other person, but yet they'll give me their opinion and it's a beautiful idea, Mm -hmm. a wonderful idea. So it's how can you go into the next meeting and share your voice? Mm -hmm. How can you, if it's really a problem, um, call a meeting with your boss and then go in with an agenda, a written agenda with things to discuss so that you don't get in there and panic. Um, So that's wonderful work. I love that. I love that one. So tools um, in building their confidence, their self-esteem, and and their agency. Confidence is a huge thing. Now I want to say something so I can pronounce my words right (laughs) and clearly. And my thought is, if you ask for something, one of the most important things is ask. Mm -hmm. Now if I were going to go see a boss, for example... I would go, the first thing I would say to him is I want to do the very best job I can do for you. Tell me three things that I can improve on. Mm -hmm. And then you can then start asking for what you want. Mm -hmm. I think 
to do the best job for you and the company, I could do this. Mm -hmm. So you'd have your agenda, but you first got to go in. The bosses are sitting there when you make an appointment with him. He's sitting there saying, oh no, she's going to ask for a raise or she's going to want this. But if you go in and say, I want to do the best job I can for the company. And you got to say it sincerely. Mm -hmm. And I hope you would want to do the best thing for the company. I mean, you have to own the company if you're really going to work for that company. you got to believe in that company. you got to own it. So if you say that sincerely, then you're going to be able to, and then ask for what you want, you're going to be able to get what you want. Well, you're assuming that we've got a good leader. Too well, in that right. scenario, yeah. um, a lot of people do not have good leaders, mm -hmm. and a lot of um, leadership teams are dysfunctional. Oh yeah, and <laughs> so you know, in the arena where I work, which is the nonprofit sector, um, possibly you have um, a leadership team that's dysfunctional, and then you have a board of directors that's dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. How do you work within that? Well, you can say. I have a skill that maybe I can offer to use that someone will see me as a leader here and allow me to use my leadership skills. Or you may evaluate it and say, this is not going to change. And yes, I do need to make a move. But I need to be smart when I interview for another job and I need to ask questions about the culture. Mm -hmm. I need to ask questions about the leadership team. I need to ask if I have... Um, access to the board of directors. Well, so, also, Nancy, you don't want to hack off the people that you're leaving. So you got to leave nice. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because we're classy ladies. That's right. We I'm always don't I'm a man. Oh, but the women yeah. that I'm coaching are ladies. Oh, so. <laughs> I was about to say, I slipped up and then yeah. you're calling me a lady. I know. No, I coach ladies. So, um, so absolutely. The, it, it's with a relationship, it's with a job, um, whatever. You make the most of it and you put it in the best form you can before you ever try to have an exit mm -hmm. plan because maybe what you have in front of you is really the best thing you could have. So you put all your effort into it first before you ever try to say, okay, let's just skip and go someplace else. Yeah, that's great advice. Do you find that there are different challenges in a not-for-profit uh, sector than the corporate sector? Absolutely. Um, now, I haven't worked in the corporate sector, so I don't know the corporate sector, but I've coached enough women who do work in the corporate sector to say the challenges are different. First of all, in the nonprofit sector, while pay has increased a lot, and at many nonprofits, it is equal to corporate pay, sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're working and you're doing extra work um, also, when you work in the nonprofit sector, you typically have a lot of empathy. So somebody didn't come in to do their job. You're going to jump in and mm, do their job. Mm, so now all of a sudden, you didn't get home till 8 o'clock mm -hmm. at night. There's nobody to do the job. In the corporate world, somebody else is going to say the boss can find somebody to do it or whatever. Typically, you're not going to stay and just do that unless there's some advantage for you. In the nonprofit sector, you tend to go beyond the call of duty mm -hmm. to get the job done. That's a good point. So pay and benefits can certainly be different. And um, That's right. in the board, you would deal more with the board in a nonprofit, wouldn't you? Than what depends on where your level is. Okay. If you're kind of in, you know, kind of C-suite, 
Um, and, and that's still used in the nonprofits. Kind of C-suite leadership, then yes, you do have a direct um, contact with the board of directors. C-suite, explain So that. that means you're kind of at the top leadership level. Oh. So that you are probably working with the CEO, the COO, the CFO, and in what I do, which is fund development, then it's it's the you know vice president of philanthropy or mm-hmm. vice president of development. If you are at that level, then you would most certainly have access to the board of directors. However, there's a chain of command, and you never cross over that line. Mm-hmm. Um, as to going to the board of directors. Right. So, yeah, sounds like there are some differences. C-suite, I was thinking C-suite sounds like you got to be sweetie-sweet and seem like you're sweet, but... S-U-I-T-E. Oh, oh. Like... (laughs) Not only... (laughs) Corporate sweet, yes. Corporate sweet. (laughs) Even though I don't ever like to say corporate because it is a non-profit or not-for-profit. Well, I thought it was... But that's understood. I thought it was S-E-E-S-W-E-A-T. Maybe that's my my dialect here, too. Yeah, sweet is S-W-E-E-T. Hey, I can't even spell potato or even tomato, and I can't spell sweet. (laughs) Well, you know what? Maybe you had too much education. You just went over the top. Yeah, you're just trying to make excuses. You know, I was a person who made the top half of the class possible. Uh I have to to say that again because most people will not get it because they're not as bright as you think they are. I made the first half of the class possible, which means I was in the lower half of the class, which means I was the dumb part of the class. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, <laughs> that's, not, that. that's not really true, but I like to say well, that. It's a good joke. Yeah, yeah. I like to say it because it's a good joke, and it uh, helps me seem humble. <laughs> You've got to seem humble. Huh. Are you working on that? <laughs> Long right. way to go, Nancy. Uh-huh. Long, way to go. Uh-huh. Long way to go. Well, Nancy, do you, anybody have any other questions? We got I, I do want to talk about one thing mm-hmm. that is just on so many people's minds right now is just the work-life balance and how technology especially has just crossed that blurred those lines we don't seem to have it anymore do no. you do you deal with people who are addicted to their phones or work and just can't shut it off at night uh, that is certainly not something that I typically talk with someone about I think that is your area of expertise there because you're the greatest teacher of that and your book that I'm going to buy on Amazon today but um no I'm going to give you one Oh, I got. Right. I, I bought one except just for you. I bought you a book. Oh, that's so nice. Give Isn't it that to wonderful? You to, for being on our program. Oh wow! Because yeah. you know you took some of your time, mm-hmm. and we appreciate it. And that's the least we can do. And I taught you how to spell sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's no, it was the lady in the studio. We had one uh-huh. studio member, and she hollered yeah. over. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, That'll be my claim to fame. I taught the great Dr. Walker <laughs> how to sweet. Spell, spell sweet. sweet. <laughs> you know, I was the spelling bee champion in about Very. fourth grade. So. Oh, well, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something I that's never That's a big word yeah. there. You did? Yeah. You know, doctors are supposed to be notorious bad spellers, but really, they're not, and that's why they write so bad. They write bad because they can't spell. So, you know, then you can't know. That I should have been a doctor. My handwriting's pitiful. <laughs> 
You know, the only thing about me is I laugh at my stuff. Nobody else laughs, but I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> you and my husband, the two of you can just sit and think how funny you are all the time. You'll have to have him back. I know. His uh, podcast was real, real popular. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll have to have him back and we'll laugh well, at each other's Well, he can talk to you about the time he's spending writing this book he's I doing know. right now. I know. We're so excited he's about that He's committed to book. that. You're his, and, you're his mentor and guru there. I tell you what, his book is getting better and better. That yes. last chapter he wrote was exactly mm -hmm. the way, the model that he wants to keep doing. I'm proud of Gaines, real proud of Gaines. Oh, I can't here. wait to hear about yeah, that. He, you know, he was a pro golfer, mm -hmm. and so he's writing about his experiences that are pro and the heartbreak of when the ball is hit and it just trickles back Ooh. down to the creek. When you're always almost the best, but yes. not quite. Oh, uh, always, always, always. It's a, he's very humble in the book. He is very humble. Mm -hmm. He is very humble. Yeah. yeah. In real life, not so not much. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but when, uh, when do you want to stop with your... Point. Sure. First of all, Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today. I've taken so many great uh, nuggets of wisdom, especially just how to achieve confidence in the workforce. So, and ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. um, I love the tip about really thinking that through and writing it down and knowing that you're worth what you're asking for. So, I'd like to invite our listeners to think about what it is that you learned today from this podcast. How can you apply that to your life? And then who are you going to tell about this podcast so that we can spread more good news and good tips like you've given us today, Nancy? Yeah, Thanks thank for the you. tips, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.